Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This is Writing Excuses, Season 3, Episode 5, How to Take Criticism. 15 minutes long because we're not that smart. And we don't like you very much. <laughs> I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. You stink. <laughs> I'm Howard. And you're Nobody cares. ugly. <laughs> okay. I know that. Um, okay. We want to talk kind of about not just how to take criticism, but how we specifically have taken criticism on our pieces and used it to our advantage and made better works out of it. By the way, that wasn't criticism we did at the beginning. That was no. just us being that mean. Was, that was insults. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a difference. Um, Kirkus reviews, insults. <laughs> Writing <laughs> I'm joking, Kirkus. I love... No, I don't. Um, <laughs> um, all right. So uh, let's do some broad general questions first. Um, what do you do to steal yourself to take criticism? Um, how do you deal with it? How do you... Yeah, when the, whether it be a bad review or whether you're just giving a book to someone that you're just hoping they'll love it, and what they, when they come back, they say, I liked it, but. And how do you deal with the but? Um, one of the things that we mentioned when we did our writing group podcast is that you should not defend your work in a writing group. And I think that that applies to pretty much any criticism you get. You cannot take it defensively. Yeah. Someone who is giving you criticism, and again, we're not really talking about insults. We're talking about, well, I guess you could apply this as well to insults. They're, they're, giving, they're telling you their reaction to your work, mm-hmm. and you can take that or leave it. Yeah. You don't have to believe it. You don't have they to accept it or change what you're doing. be wrong in their reaction, meaning their mm-hmm. emotions are their own and belong to them. You can disagree with their reaction, but they have a right to their reaction. Yeah. Um, and so I think approaching it that way is, is yeah. a very good mindset well, to be in. And their reaction does not demand or require that you change your work to Or even that them. you defend your work. Yeah. Um, I, I think I mentioned this before, but anytime you're feeling bad that someone's criticizing your work, go pick a great work of literature. Whatever you count as you know, one of the top ten works, go to Amazon and read the one stars. Because there will be one stars. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there is someone who hates everything. Um, we have not I know yet. That guy. <laughs> we have not yet found the universal story that will bring peace and hope to mankind um, simply by reading it. Um, you know, there's no one story that's going to work for everyone. Keep that in mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the uh, <clears throat> sorry the when you're when you're soliciting criticism from a writer's group, the way you steal yourself against the criticism is by saying, you know, I I asked for their opinion so that I can make this better. Yeah. You know, that's, I, I think that's completely different from an unsolicited review on mm-hmm. Amazon 
where somebody says, ah, oh, this Sanderson hack should just give it up before he ruins everything Jordan ever wrote. I don't know if that review's been written yet. But I'm sure it's been said it's a bunch of It's probably been said somewhere. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I don't know how you steal yourself against that because... Not reading them. I'll tell you honestly, <laughs> um, I used to read all of my Amazon reviews. Um, I used to do the whole thing where you Google yourself, you know, and go see what people are saying about you or things like this. I stopped doing it in 2007 because every time I did, I either wanted to defend myself and felt that I would, you know, it would ruin the day. Um, yeah. Because is, if there were a hundred good reviews and one bad review, I wanted to take that one reviewer to task um, and explain how they were wrong, and I am the font of all wisdom. I um, think it was uh, uh, Patrick Rothfuss who mm -hmm. said in his blog that, uh, you know, there will be, he was talking about turning in something late, yeah. and he said, yeah, 20% of you will be supportive, 20% of you will kind of try to be supportive, you know, a bunch of you will, you know, be sort of negative, and then one of you will just be awful. Yeah. Absolutely awful. And I can't read around that. That's the one I'm going to remember. And he described yeah. it as a turd in his bowl of oatmeal, as I recall. Mm -hmm. And you can't eat the oatmeal around <laughs> the turd. Wow, that's an image. Yeah, Thanks. Exactly. Can we still keep our clean rating for yeah, quoting Patrick Rothfuss? Mm -hmm. if, if they can do it in Captain Underpants, you know. Not Captain Boat, but you know what I mean. Um, all right. So um, let's bring this more specifically to our readers. Um, how are they going to have to steal themselves? Well, they're going to start collecting rejection letters. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with the rejection letters? Because you can't not read them or not pay attention to getting them. Um, how do you do that? How do you the rejection letters? Rejection letters come in, I think, three flavors. Yeah. There's the form rejection letter mm -hmm. that basically says, "We got your thing. We didn't have time to write your name on this piece of paper." Uh, but here's a piece of paper that says, we got your thing and we don't want it. Yeah. And then there is the personalized rejection letter where the editor actually said something to you yeah. about your story. And then there is the rejection letter that says, you know, this isn't what we're looking for, but, you know, several of us liked your writing and we want you to submit something else to yeah. us. Or kind of the, here's a bunch of stuff that's wrong with it, hint, hint, fix it, we'll look at it again, but we won't tell you that because if we do, then it implies a promise. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and the point I'm making is that rejection letters are trophies. Yeah. They're, you know, you get them for submitting your work, period. Well, right. You're, you're going to get rejection yeah, letters. It's easy for us to say published and making um, money at this. How did you make that transition? Um, for me... I've rejection only letters. ever gotten rejection letters. <laughs> I have not been published Never except by myself. Acceptance. For me, rejection letters were easy to deal with because of all the legendary, wonderful authors that have so many of them. Mm -hmm. Dune, Lord of the Rings, both of those were rejected by yeah. person Rangers, after yeah. person, every major publisher. Um, Kevin Anderson is, is reached legendary status by winning the author with no future. He had more rejection letters by weight than anybody else at this convention he went to. And today he's one of the highest paid authors in the world. I've seen his award, by the way. It's quite nice. Wow. Yes, it's like a bowling guy with his head torn off. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> wow. one of those bowling posters. But yeah, um, there's something, and it's going to be different for every person how you make this transition, but you're going to have to do it. Um, you're going to have to get that thick skin whether it is you have your spouse um, or you know your brother read your rejection letters um, and collect them. I know people who do things like this, and with the instructions, just tell me if something gets accepted or if there's a personal. Otherwise, don't tell me. If you're really sensitive, you can set something like that up. 
Um, you know, hopefully um, you won't have what happened to me where um, your family opens up your rejection letters without you asking and then reads them and then sends them to you and says, with an, a letter that says, bummer, Brandon, sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. That's, you know, my dear mother. That's really um, choice. Um, all right, let's break for a commercial. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. XDM Extreme Dungeon Mastery presents Just One XDM Minute. It isn't easy becoming an XDM. First, you must pass rigorous examinations, found on page 16 of the Extreme Dungeon Mastery book you will need to purchase, and be recommended by a fellow XDM of no less than 20th level, although this last requirement can be waived should you purchase an XDM Extreme Dungeon Mastery book. You then must survive our do-it-yourself secret initiation rituals, found on page 18 of the XDM Extreme Dungeon Mastery book you've just purchased, take the secret XDM oath, found on page 19 of the book you just purchased, and perform the secret ceremonial dance, also found on page 18 of the book you just purchased. Now you too can put life back into your dead role-playing games with the new book, XDM Extreme Dungeon Mastery, exclusively available at ExtremeDungeonMastery.com. That's XDM Extreme Dungeon Mastery. Because God doesn't play dice with the universe, we do. Okay. And we're back. <laughs> okay. Um, let's, get, let's bring it personal to ourselves. Let's each talk about a time when we have gotten some feedback, some constructive criticism on a piece, and we have used it. Talk about why you decided to use it, why you ignored what you did ignore, and how it made your piece better. Howard, I know you uh, You were, know what? Yeah. We, we uh, talked about uh, in Media Res last week. Uh, I started at the end Media Res story, and understand, I've kind of got this outlined through the end, but I am still writing it. And somebody posts on the forums, oh, this is a disaster. This is the end of Schlock Mercenary. I have never seen this done well in webcomics. It can't work in a serial format. Uh, Mr. Taylor, you should just give up now. Wow, there's that one guy. We were there's talking. that one guy. And I remember reading that, and I, I actually responded. And I said, you know what? If you're willing to stick around, uh, I'm willing to prove you wrong. Okay. And the, the only thing that changed was my determination to see this through and to do it right. Because I had looked at web cartoonists who had done it wrong. I had looked at books that had done it wrong. And I had decided I need to tell this story and I need to do it right. And all he did 
was was tighten tighten me up. Okay. Um, example I've got. Um, I have the luxury now of working with a prof with professional editors, um, which is is pretty nice because they tend to know what they're talking about um, quite often. Um, occasionally we've we've still disagreed. Um, one of the biggest battles that my editor and I had um, was over Warbreaker, um, which by the time this airs will have just come out. Um, maybe we should do a Warbreaker ad in that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, um, my editor wanted it to be fun it to be funnier. Now this was an odd comment because it was quite amusing. Um, people had already talked about on the forums after, as I posted chapters how much they liked the humor in this book. Um, it, was, it was rather witty. It was doing well. There was a character who was, everything was working just fine. And then my editor came to me and said, I think it could be funnier. And I said, but everyone likes it. And he says, yeah, but I think it could be funnier. And this is the sort of problem that you run into is the, it's working well enough. Do I want to try to make it even better? Um, and it's, well, it's also yeah. a problem where you you look at your editor and you start yeah. wondering, well, what's wrong with you? Everybody yes. else seems yeah, to get it. Everybody else. That's exactly. In mm -hmm. fact, I remember posting on my blog saying, "Hey, everybody, my editor hates this character." Well, you know, I'm going. <laughs> yeah. exactly. What do you think? And everyone's like, "Oh, we love it. We love him. We love him. Everything's great." Um, Peachy and my editor's like, "I don't care. I think it could be funnier. I think you can do better. It's good. It can be better." And we talk, had to talk for a long time before he said, "Look, just give it a try." And I sat down and gave it a try. And he was right. Um, I was able to bring it up a notch. And um, I think, for me, what I learned in that was the, just the concept of, hey, let's give it a try. Um, it did turn out better. I could make it funnier. And we talked about that one in the, uh, I think, the humor podcast, uh -huh. where we pointed out that, uh, or you pointed out that the, the disconnect was that your humor was... Uh, kind of pushing things out of the right. story a pushing little bit. Things out of the story. And by fixing it, it yeah. made it easier to laugh at. Right. But I also stretched a little bit um, on some of my word plays um, and searched a little bit better and, uh, and took it up a notch. I, I was letting Alcatraz influence me a little too much where I used mm -hmm. non-sequitur humor, which is the whole point of the book, yeah. um, but I had to use a different type of humor. That's one example where I just had to give it a try. I had to sit down and say, well, let's see. Instead of just blindly rejecting it, I had to try it out. Yeah. Dan, you, what, do you, what did you guys Um We've talked in the past about how my endings tend to be horrible on the first draft. And Brandon can back this up. I, every book I have ever submitted to a writing group, we get to the end, and invariably they will say, seriously, that's your ending? That's horrible. Um, it, 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 they just don't work. And it, I'm... I've been, you know, trying to, to work on that. It's gotten to the point that in my writing groups, when I submit the last chapters, I just brace myself and say, I know they're going to hate it, but at least by the time they're done with it, it'll be good. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pleased to say just today, my writing group did the last, the, the, the ending of the third serial killer book, and they loved it. So, hooray, I finally got it right. Um, on the flip side, I consider myself to be pretty good at beginnings. And uh, I think that I do those very well. There's one person in my writing group, however, that doesn't like my beginnings at all and thinks they are too slow, thinks that um, the, the arc of the story and the arc of the character is not present enough in the beginning. And I struggled with that for a long time because I thought, you know, I like the way this works. You know, it, it's, it's 
fast enough, even though it seemed slow. Eventually, what I realized is that um, this person and I just have very different uh, styles, very different needs, very different ways of viewing uh, writing. And so I... And neither is wrong. Yeah, exactly. there are so many different types of writers yeah. and readers. And, and, and it is perfectly fine now for me to say, well, yes, thank you, I'll write it down. And then I don't need to worry about it because we just think different ways. Um, I'll, um, I'll share another example, a kind of uh, a more disastrous example, something I don't think I've talked about on the podcast before. There was a book I was working on called The Liar of Partnell. Um, this is what I, one of the books I was working on when the Wheel of Time um, mountain fell on me. Um, and I was putting it through my writing group. And I had done this book very exploratorily. And as soon as the Wheel of Time came along, I had to take all focus off of this book and start working on the Wheel of Time. So though I got a draft of it done, it was a pretty uneven, bad draft. Um, and I started going, it going through the writing group. And the writing group had all sorts of terrible things to say about this book um, that just piled up on the book. Every week it was, this stuff is still terrible branded. Well, the problem was, I mean, I wasn't going back and fixing any of it, so of course it's still going to be terrible. Um, and it became such a distasteful experience that I eventually had to pull that book from the writing group, um, and eventually the writing group kind of fell apart um, without me submitting and things like this because I couldn't submit the Wheel of Time. Um, and the whole reason behind that was that they were telling me things that I already knew, um, which was very difficult to hear, which is stuff I already knew that I did, couldn't fix. Um, and so what I really had needed to do was get that book into a better shape before I solicited criticism. If there are already problems with it that I'm already aware of, why mm -hmm. make the writing group tell it to me? Yeah. Um, and so in that case, it was a, it was kind of a, Brandon, what, what were you thinking? Why did you do it this way? Um, anyone else got any final words? Uh, yeah, one thing. Mm -hmm. um, remember that when people are criticizing your writing, uh, they are criticizing your writing. It's a reaction against right. your writing. It's not a reaction against you. The moment anybody starts criticizing you for your writing, you are allowed to start ignoring them yeah. completely and utterly forever. Yeah. All right, writing prompt. Um, I'm going to go ahead and um, do this one. Um, let's have you write a story about a critic who is the hero instead of the villain. We always want to make the critics the villain. <laughs> All right, this has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses, now go write.